What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well. And they're always rotating in new seasonal cocktails. So come through and check out what they've got on deck for fall and winter down there. The patio is now nice, covered and heated and will be throughout the fall and winter so come through and big thanks to produce row for sponsoring this episode of the podcast What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. If you want to help support this thing in a free way, just hit like, follow, subscribe. Do all of those things, but... Uh, we're going to get right into this one. This is episode 300 of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. And I've been thinking about what I want to do with this episode for a while. And I think there was some time where 
I felt a lot of pressure to maybe get some sort of bucket list guest and for that to be like the big deal for episode 300 and then I started thinking about it a little more and I talked with some people about uh, their thoughts on maybe me doing a solo episode or maybe having somebody interview me and just to kind of talk about the podcast up until this point and I settled on doing a solo episode so I just want to use this time to kind of reflect about the podcast and um and kind of some of the the pivotal moments or things that uh I think that have really uh changed my perspective or shifted the way that I do things or the way that I kind of wanted to operate or put my time into and I think that uh you know, trying to keep this thing going consistently the way that I have as far as, you know, putting out episodes every Friday. Sometimes it can feel like a bit of a blur. And I've spoken in the past how a lot of the times when I'm doing the editing is often my first opportunity to really sit back and and listen to the conversation because I'm often trying to not only uh, listen to what the guest has to say, but I'm also trying to guide the conversation in some way. So uh, finding that balance is uh, is kind of the the whole thing with this, of, of trying to facilitate decent conversations. And um, so, you know, it's a grind sometimes to try to try to get it done, and there's not always a lot of opportunity to kind of sit and reflect on kind of the the work that has been done it's kind of just keep it moving and keep trying to build it and continue to uh, extend the network so I can continue to to talk with different artists and artists of um, you know different playing fields at times and talking to some some heroes now at times or people that I've looked up to for a long time or people that I know that have been playing music for 30 years and making consistent records for a long time so it's uh it's very cool that it has grown into that from being this thing where I was uh talking just to to open micers in the beginning and just the uh the immediate folks that I knew that were playing music at these open mics that I was also attending but uh yeah I try to you know I try to use the intros to each episode at times to kind of like reveal things about myself and I've I've always tried to uh converse with people on the podcast in ways that were as revealing of myself at times too and uh wanting to kind of have real conversations with people and you know not that it's not just goofy and kind of fun and full of laughs during some episodes but I know some heavier subject matter gets touched upon from time to time when talking about tunes and and where they come from and just people's life experiences and I've always kind of wanted to uh to also kind of like throw myself in the depths of those waters or uh you know find ways to connect so that just one person isn't the only one 
sharing their vulnerabilities. So I've tried to uh, hopefully allow people to uh, get to know who I am a bit through these conversations, even though they're not really focused on me. And again, also, I know I've shared things about myself or our personal life through through the intros at times and, and kind of use those as uh, ways to express myself. I think I've felt like they're a safe space to to do so at times. I think it happened heavier at certain periods of the podcast where I just like didn't care if the introduction was 15 minutes. And I think my ideas about that have uh, have changed from time to time. And I just sometimes I just really want to get right into the conversation because I know a lot of people did not tune in to hear me rant about my week or what bullshit I'm going through necessarily at that given time or what I'm stoked about. So I've tried to keep the intros uh, a little tighter. So uh, the people that tune in to hear specific artists or people that are on the podcast can just kind of, kind of get right into that. So um, I just wanted to use this episode as that space to just speak to my experience with this and kind of how it started and, how I have gotten to this point in what has been important along the way or things that I've learned along the way and to, you know, hopefully recognize some, some people that have lifted me up on the way of, uh, of doing this. And I think a lot of those people just like know, know who they are. And I know that I'll probably miss some folks along the way. But uh, I hope you all know who you are if you've been a, a supporter of this thing or just me as a person in any way. It's all it's all been helpful and, and recognized. And starting this podcast, and I'll get it deeper into it, has, uh, I don't think that I've ever created anything that people have responded to more warmly and kind of like right from the get-go even when it was at its you know very early stages and I was very much learning how to uh, conduct a conversation in the way that I wanted to I knew where I wanted to get to as someone hosting a show but it took a long time to get even close to that and I don't think that I'm necessarily there Yet, I think that I've gotten a lot better and that I try to really learn from each conversation when possible and in each situation because there's, there's times where I feel great about conversations even to this day, to this week, you know, where I feel pumped when I walk away from something and feel like I did a good job. And then there's other times where I feel okay about it and I know that it will come together later when all of the uh, the production is tied in and then I'll feel better about it then but it it doesn't uh it doesn't always feel like I nailed it and uh I'm just I'm trying to get to the point where it's always that consistent and I know that just like anything else usually I'm going to be my own worst critic and I'm 
often probably laboring over certain editing moments in a way that I don't need to because I'm the only person that really notices certain things, but it's still uh, it's still important to me to pay close attention and, and try to make the podcast as enjoyable to listen to as possible because ultimately I came into this as a fan of podcasting. I absolutely like fell in love with this media platform and how free it was and how anybody could uh just do it i think that's like the as many shitty things that come along with the digital age and things changing and not just like the way artists get paid for their art but you know just the the way social media can be incredibly divisive with politics and whatnot there's this really beautiful thing where everybody can share what they make, you know, and, and it gets different level of exposure depending on, you know, who gives you that retweet or who, you know, fucks with it in your local community. But I think that's so exciting that there is ultimately no fucking gatekeeper to any of that shit. Like if you want to put music out tomorrow, you can put music out tomorrow and nobody has to allow you to do that you know and there's and there's so many different avenues to do it with there's so many different people that will help you do that and uh i just think that that's a very a very cool thing and it's very fun to like discover music that way too when you're just cruising soundcloud and you find this person that maybe has like 300 followers but you just like hear something in their music that seems special and uh yeah so i came to this as a fan of of podcasting and i just wanted to create a show that i thought was cool and sounded like a real podcast and i just since i was a little kid i wanted to have some sort of radio show I think and this was kind of like my opportunity to really to really flex that and figure out what uh what I wanted a show to be and it's kind of uh you know I've had some folks help with engineering and and production in that way over uh the last six years but really it's been kind of like by my direction and in a very DIY thing in a lot of ways and me just like trying to figure out things as I go and that has included doing all the engineering and kind of the production that has existed now in the last 70 episodes or so I would say ever since the the pandemic kind of went down and that's when I started doing more things like that and adding more music and kind of cutting out any like dead air that we were experiencing due to zoom or you know shit that just didn't feel super vibey because of the the virtual delay and whatnot and breaking down that barrier but that is stuff that I've had a lot of fun with and it's cool that I kind of had like zero knowledge of it and uh, to know that that gear is even accessible to someone and it can be like very intuitive to use something like logic you don't have to know all the bells and whistles and ins and outs of something like pro tools or ableton to 
record your music or record your art and you can have people help you along the way do these little things to make the show sound even better so that has been a very fun aspect of of kind of chasing this thing down and kind of just challenging myself to learn how to how to do different things and learn how to use something like Canva to make digital art for the episodes and just trying to make things look a little more uniform in some way or like it's uh just putting more energy into not just like the recording and the research of the episodes but also to like the aesthetic and and the feel of the show in some way and and that's the stuff that has like kept me kind of excited about it and kept me curious and and wanting to improve at times has just been trying to learn other aspects of the production and uh just trusting myself to to do so at times but also just going after things that has been the story of this whole thing unfolding and why things are the way they are today in my life as far as the experiences that I've gotten to have or the opportunities to come has been just not being scared to kind of like completely flip my life upside down and chasing after the things that were important to me or that had spoken to me over the years. And I guess that started about nine years ago in March of 2013. I moved to Portland, Oregon after having, you know, like a significant life shift happened to me. I pretty much spent my 27 years up until then living in Southern California in the suburbs, like 40 miles outside of LA and just grinding on this job that I worked like 60 to 70 hours a week at this pizza place and somehow found a way to also play some music with my friends for a very long time. We had this band and that went on until our early 20s but yeah there wasn't a whole lot of free time with uh that that setup there was there was absolutely like no work life balance it was just work 60 or 70 hours a week and then try to rest on the that day off or two and you know try to get a band practice in and and play a show maybe once a month and after doing that for like seven or eight years, I just got so burnt out and I had a shift in my romantic relationship at that time. It just ended this serious thing that ended and uh, really just kind of like set me on this path to kind of kind of realign in some ways, I guess, or just it was it was kind of my big opportunity for some some self-discovery, I think is what I what I found out, it was definitely some time that I needed. And I had always wanted to move out of Southern California since I was a kid. I applied to like a lot of schools that were outside of California when I was uh, applying for college and whatnot. And I really wanted to go somewhere in the Midwest. And uh, yeah, and I always just wanted to to get out and uh, have an opportunity to to kind of change shit up, I think. Uh, there, that desire was was always there. And even previous to my relationship ending back in Southern California, the last like 
the last year heavy, we were talking about trying to move to the Pacific Northwest. And so when that relationship ended, I, I immediately responded with moving to Portland, Oregon, where I had some family up here and I had visited this city a few times over the course of my life. And the last couple times I went to Portland the and stayed in the city and I loved it. And it just felt like a place where I could, uh, I could hang out in for a while. And maybe I, I think originally I felt like it would maybe be some stepping stones to eventually go to Seattle. But nine years later, I'm still here in Portland, Oregon, and I love this place quite a bit. But it, it started with making that decision and uh, coming up here and taking some time away from working for a couple months to, to sort of reset. And I really came up here with the intention to spend my time playing music and kind of putting myself out in the world as a solo artist for the first time, playing open mics with my acoustic and just to like write and record some of my own music that I was working on. I didn't like play much guitar growing up. And when I tried previously, it just like didn't make sense to me. And I wasn't really willing to put in the work to get better. And I felt like my hands like really could never make these movements that people would try to show me. So like anything I could do was like very rudimentary and it was all, you know, I would write lyrics at that time more than anything. So I just wanted to like learn how to play some tunes of my own and see if I could record some stuff that I dug or, um, you know, felt like my, my own in some way. And and I did. I came up here. I was hitting open mics regularly. I was playing actual gigs somewhat often or at least more than I anticipated. And I feel like I was getting decent because I was, I was playing a lot. And because I was playing in front of people, especially at those open mics regularly and going to the same open mics, I think I wanted to make sure that I wasn't the person that was like playing the same song every week. You know, I wanted to, you know, always try to play something new every time. If I was going to get to play a few songs, I wanted to like tighten up a couple that I had maybe been working on, but I I wanted to like try something new too. And it it made me like want to, to write more. And, uh, I was playing more music and writing more music than I ever had at that point because I had never had that much free time. It was the first time in a while that I was just playing and writing with no expectations for anything to happen with the music and not measuring my music success in like how many tickets the band sold or like if we were getting closer to like connecting on some sort of record deal or you know getting the attention of the right people within that circle I was just I was just having fun and feeling good about the writing process because I was shedding a lot during that time and it was pretty instrumental I think in helping me understand 
that time in my life in which I probably like felt most alone and the most free that I had been in my life prior, like at that moment of just feeling pretty lost, you know, heading into my late 20s, being 27 at the time, but also feeling like my whole world wasn't just like mapped out for me anymore. And I wasn't just like going to get married and stay in this job and, you know, not go after the things I really wanted to do. And that that freedom felt better than anything, I think. And it was uh, it was such a game changer to for the first time. I wasn't uh, tied to all these different relationships and uh, my life did not revolve around this 60 to 70 hour day job. And it left me with so much time and energy to kind of just like not only play a bunch of music and um, meet a bunch of people in the city that I like had just moved to. It was such a cool way to form new friendships it was like not only through like my first job in Portland but also through meeting <clears throat> meeting people through the music scene and getting to like know people that were also prioritizing their creative endeavors in some way and uh that felt different to me as well and it was all just so fucking like exciting to me and I was learning about all this new music and I had a lot of I had a lot of alone time to to I think get to know myself in ways that uh, I didn't before or tap into things maybe that I did know were there but didn't know that uh, on what level they existed and some good and and some bad but It felt like new life existed and that I could completely change the trajectory of my life. And I don't think I really knew what that meant at the time necessarily. But I think it was clear to me that I could just like slow the fuck down and I didn't need to be anywhere by the time I was 30. As long as I felt more rooted in what I wanted out of life moving forward and as long as I was leaning closer to that and you know maintaining whatever responsibilities make me feel good about my life as well because it's you know it is tethered to this machine in some way it's like tough to to get off the grid in that way so I feel like there's some some responsibilities I have to maintain that uh so I can like function and whatnot as well but the more time I spent like doing the things that I enjoyed, the more important or like the closer I think I started to like look at what I was doing with my time and I started getting to connect to things that are so important to me that I didn't know how much I was missing. I started playing ice hockey again pretty consistently these last uh, seven years or so. As soon as I moved to Portland, I brought bought all new hockey gear. I hadn't played ice hockey since I was a kid. 
probably stopped playing for a solid 10 years almost or so. And, uh, yeah, just completely started immersing myself in that as well. And doing all that just seemed to, to shape how things continued to, to move forward. Just kind of surrounding myself with other people that I thought were doing cool things around the city or just finding other people to to play hockey with nearby and whatnot and along with wanting to play and write a lot of music I really wanted to to get a podcast going even before I moved to Portland like my other childhood dreams outside of wanting to be the drummer in a rock and roll band, which I never learned how to play drums. It just, uh, it still hasn't quite all made sense to me, but who knows? Maybe, maybe that's to come. Maybe I just, you know, just like anything I've <laughs> learned how to do, I'm sure it just requires some, uh, some, some real, uh, some real work. And I don't think I've really ever been in a position where I wanted to put real work into doing that. But, um, Aside from wanting to be a drummer in a band, I always wanted to play in the NHL. Hockey is the only thing that I might love as much as music, specifically ice hockey. The rink is uh, it's a special place to me. But along with loving to play the game, I've always loved to, to watch hockey as well and... I played hockey video games religiously when I was a kid and still do in some regards. And I would always do the play-by-play as a kid for the hockey. It would just be me in my room commentating for for hours in there and making up storylines for these players. And, yeah, it was just a – it was a (laughs) – it was a real thing that I did. And I – and I – did it very uh subconsciously like it would just like it wasn't really something i felt like i put much effort into doing i just naturally would do that if i was alone playing these games and i would do it for all the other sports games as well but for a long time i thought that that would be my path would be sports broadcaster. I wanted to be a play-by-play hockey broadcaster. I would love to to do that now still. I think that's still somewhat of a goal. Like if we get to uh, a place in which there are more independent broadcasts, like if there was a thing where I could just do commentary over a previously streamed game or like a game going on, at that like in real time that would be that would be amazing but I was always pretty realistic about what my abilities were as a hockey player and I think I knew that uh, the professional playing days were probably not ahead of me especially when I got the opportunity to see kids my age that were competing on a higher level on a more consistent level kids that grew up in the Midwest or in Canada or on the East coast where high school hockey is just a thing. And you don't have to like go drive outside of your city 30 minutes to two hours to go to these, these club hockey games. I think there's a a different level happening there. And I pursued the game like at the highest level I could 
throughout high school, like in those club travel leagues in Southern California. But as much as I wanted to, to do that, I wanted to do the play by play in some form. I like always wanted to have a radio show of sorts. So when I discovered podcasts, it, uh, it was something I was very interested in and it took me like two or three years to kind of dial in something with a little focus. I did a podcast with my buddy Bert for a while. We did this sports podcast and, um, that was super fun. And we just bullshit and talk about the current happenings in sports and just be incredibly like crude to athletes. Like these people that are like, ridiculously talented obviously all of them made it to the uh the show in their respected sport and we would just you know talk a lot of shit and uh that was super fun and i also did the the dan cable hour in which i would just speak to my friends and talk about our life experiences and how our lives intertwined there were like 10 of those, but it wasn't until I started getting more connected to the the music scene in Portland and was hosting this music open mic in downtown with my buddy Mike, who would later be known as as Mountaineer Mike and was the engineer for the episodes up until the last seventy or so. He engineered all these amazing recorded sessions that we would do later in his awesome studio in the Brooklyn neighborhood that used to be there. And uh, I started just to meet a lot of songwriters and other musicians and really feeling like I was finally tapping into a local music scene. And I hadn't ever really experienced anything like that with my band in high school that went into our early 20s that I was speaking of earlier. We were always outsiders to the city from the suburbs, you know, 40, 60 miles out. We were kind of forced into doing these pay-to-play shows in in the LA, Orange County area, especially with the type of music we were playing, which was this heavier alternative rock that didn't necessarily always work in the the DIY punk scene, or there was like a lot of hardcore bands that we knew people that played in those types of bands, and we just didn't really fit into that all the time and so it was really difficult to form any sort of community with the bands or the local venues aside from maybe the couple of bands we'd meet in the suburbs that that did align a little bit more sound wise so there wasn't uh there wasn't necessarily always this sense of being a part of a music scene so i started to learn about the local portland music scene and it kind of just clicked one night when I was hanging with some of these people that it would be such a cool focus for a podcast to kind of spotlight some of the artists I was getting to know and some of the bands I was learning about that were local to Portland. So I started asking some of these open mic people I knew from around town to do an episode and right from the get go with my conversation with Sarah Vitor, who was episode two, but ultimately is kind of the first episode. And I think that one is still up there somewhere on the, the Potomatic. But that was the first episode with some real structure. We did that in Mike's studio at Mountain Air Studios. It was the first time we ever did something 
like that sort of in studio session. And it was so cool. Cause I didn't have to like worry about what was being recorded. I kind of just got to show up and record the episodes, which is probably the thing I miss most about doing the DIY thing. And is that, uh, you know, sometimes I am paying attention to the mixer and I, and I do have some anxiety about what's being recorded instead of being able to kind of just like show up, get in the chair and have this talk and not like really worry about that. So it was really cool to kind of like get to experience it that way. And Mike had like had a lot of previous radio experience. So he had a lot to kind of offer in that way, but yeah, it was just like so much different than the pilot episode that I did with chocolate, cool, but rude, but it was like, that thing was all over the place. Sound wise. I had no idea how to use my recording device and it was mostly inaudible. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't really like have a lot prepared. I think I thought things were just going to like flow and I was going to know how to, to roll a conversation off the cuff. But you know, with the Sarah Vitor episode, I just kind of like actually took some more time to research my questions and try to hopefully like bring something that, that felt more of a conversation and, uh, for as stiff as that interview was with Sarah and really my first time trying to present a high quality interview show, it felt really good to me. Like it was something worth investing in and the response of friends and family and like the immediate Portland local scene that I knew at that time that was kind of connected to those first five artists that came on, um, responded to it in a way that, kind of felt different to me and I didn't necessarily know how I would pull it off, but I knew I wanted to commit to this idea and put episodes out consistently. And it was cool that I, like I immediately had some locals reach out to me to do the show and that created some really cool relationships and that kind of validated to me what I was doing and, um, fueled the fire early on to, you know, keep putting episodes out. I knew that, uh, I had to commit to consistency and figure that part out early or it would not gain any traction early on. So, uh, yeah, that first few months I put out two episodes per month and kind of just whatever days before committing to every other Friday and the structure of the show was for the most part in studio sessions where an artist would uh, come to the studio. See right there. I was just, uh, I was looking at the recorder just to make sure everything was still recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, an artist would come through the studio and we'd get them set up to play a few songs and then I would interview them in between songs and we would roll it kind of as this live radio show. It wasn't streamed live, but we would structure it in this live way where Mike would introduce the show and there was the theme song and, and he would kick it to me and I would introduce the band and they would play a song and then we would, would chat in between. It was uh, sort of modeled after the KEXP sessions that are based out of Seattle. I admired and still admire those so much. I think they're still doing the best in studio sessions that exist as far as like 
cool YouTube series and they always have such cool artists on there. So that was a huge inspiration for what I was trying to do. And then every once in a while I would connect with a band or artist outside of the studio just for a chat. And I would plug recorded music into the conversation more along the lines of like what you hear now, but still with less production as far as the amount of music that gets inserted into each episode now. And that was also what I used as my opportunity to reach out to people that were playing outside of the city. And doing those was like super helpful and and starting to get me on some regular PR lists and, and radars for certain folks that would just send me new music that was coming out or artists that were coming through town that they were trying to get press for. And, uh, I would definitely use that as an avenue sometimes is, is trying to like curate the show around the ones that stuck out to me there. And that has been like something that has continued to be such, a an anchor of this thing is just kind of creating some cool relationships with those people that, do PR for a bunch of different artists and uh, just trying to make that first good impression and, and do a good interview that with that, that first artist they give you the opportunity to talk with and, and hope that that's your door in. And uh, yeah, a lot of those people have just been so good to me over the years as far as uh, linking me up with some, some folks that I've really wanted to talk to or, or people that I didn't know about before getting, uh, their press release that have maybe like become some of my favorite artists over the last couple years. And that's been a really cool way to get to, to discover music, but it's still, it still just like blows me away. How this podcast is like completely shaped my life since committing to going to releasing a weekly episode every Friday in early July of 2016. And for some reason, that was the thing and still the thing that I remain most disciplined towards. And I just want to keep seeing how far I can kind of like push that streak. And there's been weeks where something weird has happened, where maybe the episode didn't come out till that Saturday a few times, but... There's been a new episode every week in some form and it's been fucking rough (laughs) sometimes. There has been weeks where I really did not think it was going to happen and I have just found a way to, uh, to get the episode up and it's been such a, a good I think positive distraction for me at times when dealing with mental health stuff, it's giving my, giving me like something to kind of like anchor myself in at times. And it's, uh, yeah, it's like this thing of, I don't want to like let myself down, I guess. I don't want to disappoint myself by not having this episode. And I don't know why I'm sure everything would be fine if I missed a week I know the the world's not gonna fall apart or you know all of the previous support isn't going to just disappear because one week is uh is missed but uh there's also something to to doing that and kind of like maintaining that as some sort of discipline that I think is is solid for me so it's uh I'm excited that it's it's made it 
this far, like approaching six straight years where every week there's been an episode and, and at times a lot more too. There's, you know, there's 35 or so of those, those I dig records episodes out there, you know, cousin and I just diving into, to different records and talking about those in depth to go along with the, the regular episodes that have, uh, that have come out. But yeah, man, this thing has definitely shifted my perspective and just uh, changed the way I think that I think about other people's experiences and struggles. Being around people that are like willing to express themselves creatively has just been super powerful to me, especially talking to the people that have just been doing this for years on end and this is their life path. And they've just found a way to make that a priority and not let the the drags of life like dim them to the point where they have no desire or energy to kind of create. It's just exposed me to so many different people, so many strangers that I would have never gotten to know. It's certainly been this thing that has changed my attachment to artists as well. And just like the way I, I think about how a show runs when I go or just like what the artist has experienced all day if they're playing a festival before they've even actually gotten to the stage of that day to play and and things like that to kind of have some inside access to those things is definitely like informed a lot as well and yeah there's just nothing quite like falling in love with an artist to have like followed their career loved their music and tried to have like gotten to know them in some way through the music and then getting the opportunity to talk with them and and find out where some of it comes from or just the mentality of this person and and getting like something extra to connect to outside of the music and like to actually have this human interaction with somebody that lasts for you know, a minimum of 30 minutes and sometimes 90 minutes to, to two hours is, uh, is very cool. And, and to have gotten to form some friendships with some of these people that I've now been talking to for the last five years in some cases, as far as people that are local to the, the Portland area or people that I've even, you know, created a, a longer relationship with outside of, the Pacific Northwest, but especially the ones that I got to see play as open micers or, you know, was maybe at one of their first build shows, like getting that insight on that sort of growth and getting to maintain those relationships has been like incredibly insightful for me to get to see the process unfold. And, uh, I think it, also just informs how I interact with artists or like people coming on the show or people that I want to work with outside of the podcast on, on other things as far as, you know, putting shows together, like consulting with certain types of things. Those experiences have been incredibly valuable and just uh, taught me so much because I never wanted to be like viewed as the the journalist doing this as like wanting to host this podcast is always um 
about wanting to kind of lift up these people that I thought were making cool music or, or spotlighted in some way. And, you know, a lot of them now, they don't like necessarily need me to lift them up. They have, uh, quite the followings at times, but, um, yeah, I just always wanted it to be a thing where I was bringing people on the show that I genuinely appreciated the music they were making or just really respected them as a musician and wanted to like learn more about the music they were making so I could have uh, just like a better or wider understanding of maybe music that I music genres that I wasn't uh, particularly super hip to or knew much about. And uh, a lot of those experiences have led me down rabbit holes of discovering things I do really love about certain progressive instrumental music or, uh, you know, just developing the deep love for, for jazz and all that has to offer. So yeah, I've, I've just always been only inviting people on the show that I'm hyped to talk to and I'm not bringing people on to criticize them and all those relationships and my own personal experiences of playing music has also like really informed how I've done my music business outside of the podcast as far as booking and promoting and it's fun to see the artists not only have a cool show, but also for them to be compensated in a reasonable or above reasonable way. I think that creates such a different energy and, uh, it's cool to know that people are getting fed and taken care of. And it's also all a learning process. And I've had some really fucking cool people along the way that have offered me advice and opportunities. Some that I've fucked up at times just from lack of awareness or experience. But I feel like there's a strong foundation now to like build on. And I think that's, that's kind of next for me on top of continuing to do this podcast. I just want to be more involved in artist management and, and booking things. I've really enjoyed my opportunities that I've gotten to do those things. And thank you to all the venues here in Portland that have, uh, let me book shows at your venues over the years. Throwing parties is, uh, is super fun and seeing artists on a bill that you put together and it ends up working out. And, uh, and then you get to see other people having a good time at something you put together is like just as good as, as playing the shows to me. So I hope I can keep throwing one or two of those each year and, you know, get the holidays party rolling again as it has taken its, uh, its pandemic hiatus, but we'll get the fifth annual, uh, going this year, put together something, something cool. And, Thanks to the people like uh, Chris Young, who was the longtime editor-in-chief of Vortex Magazine, and uh, he doesn't have as much uh, involvement in that these days, but uh, that dude was uh, just always trying to lift my shit up and, uh, and, and just really put me out there for some very cool opportunities that I did not even know were a thing or available to me. So, um, I've, I've praised him a lot over the years and I will, uh, continue to do so. Cause honestly, like it, it's so cool when you have other people 
that are uh, operating in some sort of similar field and they're doing something that you really respect and think is cool. Chris had the coolest music publication or art publication, I thought, going in the city of Portland. There's some other local publications as well, but I always thought the Vortex shit was the coolest and so like when he offered me to his platform to kind of share what I was doing with these sessions and he really gave me like this opportunity to write a lot and I loved writing I I wrote on the school paper in high school for three out of my four years so um that was like another thing that I got to dive into again and do some some real writing that was getting published and that was rad and that's led to some other writing opportunities now as well so yeah just always big thanks to to chris for uh throwing my name out for things this uh this whole thing though is just aside from you know people vouching for me at times and whatnot it's just kind of been about like showing up and pursuing the idea it's like oh, i want to try to do this I want to try to do a live podcast. We did a live podcast. We did three of them and and did them in different iterations and, you know, did some other cool live filmings. And I think it's just been, yeah, going after like the opportunities and kind of just uh, not waiting for them, just trying the shit that you want to try to do. And I know that's not like new news or anything, but, uh, it's just all, it just all seems to like kind of keep adding up to that. Like I continue to get to do these things that I think are cool because you just go after them and you just, you just knock on the doors and then you kind of realize that the only reason you're in the room or like in a conversation with this person is because they have also done the same thing with their life is that they've gone after the thing that they wanted to do and that that just like continues to make sense to me if I just keep showing up or going after the things that I want to do cool things are going to happen and sometimes you don't like realize like the the seeds that those things are necessarily planting in the moment and maybe certain relationships come back to connect years later and uh that is also like a really cool thing to that i've gotten to see happen over time and uh so i'm just continue to be grateful for people like chris and uh some other folks that have just really kind of like taken me under their their wings at time because i've always wanted to like be the dude who is not squandering the opportunities and I always want to be invited back. Like if I get that opportunity to be an interviewer at the big festival for a few years straight and then I don't get the call anymore um, because I like wasn't prepared the last time I would just be like very bummed and I would feel like I was like letting people down but probably mostly myself and i just tend to tie self-worth to my productivity and uh yeah it's just it's just the way it is sometimes it's healthy sometimes it's probably not but i think overall it's uh 
I could be tying myself worth to to worse things, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I just always wanted to walk away from those types of experiences and opportunities feeling like I did a good job and it would be hopefully hard for them to not want to bring me back the next time or think of me when it came to future opportunities. And I just want all of it to just uh, to keep getting better and keep finding new ways to present this show and other productions. And I don't want it to get stale and I want it. I want to keep it exciting for myself. I think as long as it's exciting to me, then I'm going to want to like keep putting a lot of energy into it. But it's a, it's a trip, 300 episodes and like 287 straight weeks of episodes, plus some other bonus material here and there. It's a, it's certainly a trip. And, uh, I've still got a lot of people on this bucket list of mine. So this this podcast is not going anywhere. In fact, I think regular episodes will will probably increase to maybe around five episodes per month moving forward. Or, uh, yeah, as we get into April here. And I'm excited to, to keep pushing this thing forward. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get better. Some days I feel like I've got it really locked in, especially as I continue to get to have conversations with artists that are on a larger scale or maybe more popular or in the mainstream or maybe have a, a big independent following and are playing the big venues in town or have made 30-year careers out of their crafts. It's uh, it's exciting when I can feel settled in those moments or feel like I belong to be there and I'm not just inconveniencing someone like yesterday I got to chat with Pete Yorn who's this unreal songwriter been putting out great records since 2001 and uh I mean like this is a dude I knew about long before starting this podcast and he just did the show and I felt like we could have chatted for like three hours and that was just like a very helpful conversation in gaining more confidence moving forward and I'm excited to share that chat because Pete spoke about these pivotal moments in his life and the direction it took and being able to like recognize that in retrospect and and I think I felt like when that one was over and it was saved in like four different places I felt like uh that was maybe a big one as far as making me feel like I can keep doing this and I don't have to feel like I'm a a nuisance to someone's time and and hopefully I've created an experience that they weren't just sitting there hoping it was uh it was going to end and uh and then there's still to this day ones that I feel you know okay about and uh maybe a lot of that could have been my mood that day or the energy I had because that's you know always a dependent um you know how much can I turn it on during this conversation if I've had a rough day or or if I'm super excited how much can I hone it in um but I think I've learned that even those episodes that I'm not like feeling great about in the moment when I go back and listen edit the episode together there there's still good things that happen so it's uh 
it's still ups and downs, 300 in. You know, it's still unpredictable. I never know how someone else is going to respond to my questions and curiosities. So I really have to rely upon my ability to to not be grounded necessarily in what I've prepared for the conversation and try to try to flow with it. And uh, I'm always trying to to do that better. I'm always trying to to listen more and uh, not try to get too caught up in guiding the conversation but that's uh you know that's like the never ending kind of kind of balancing act with this thing is is figuring out how how to do that and i just always want to find different ways to connect and and make people feel more comfortable with opening up on the on the podcast when they when they choose to do so just big thanks to all those all the people that have done the podcast and big thanks to anyone that's been listening since the the early days to me we are are miles away from where it started and i hope even though on some level the show's production has changed and evolved i hope it still feels like i'm capturing raw authentic chats and introducing you to some new music as well as offering you some insight on artists that you are uh, maybe more familiar with it's crazy to me to think about the roster of artists that have been on this thing over the years and the relationships that uh it has helped me create especially this last 12 months has been crazy and I'm, i'm very excited about um some of the artists that I'll get to share conversations with this year and uh, excited to keep chasing down some of those bucket list people. I hope to really knock some more of those people off of uh, that list this year. That has been uh, a really exciting bonus experience of, of doing this thing, talking to those people I've admired for so long or who are making some of my favorite records is, uh, is a special thing to me. Like, doing shit I never thought I would have access to. Like, here's a cool moment that has come from following through with this podcast. A few years back, Metallica came through on tour when I was around 10 years old. My longtime babysitter, Christy Riley, who is more or less my big sister in a lot of ways. She was uh, very much a part of my childhood and my family dynamic up until just after my parents got divorced, which was around 14 or 15. And anyhow, she was probably about 8 to 10 years older than me, and I spent a lot of significant weekends with her every year. My parents would go out of town, and I would hang with her all weekend. And yeah, man, she was cool as fuck. I looked up to her heavy she was a positive force in my life and she showed my young mind metallica it was her favorite band and it became my first ever favorite band and she played them in the car on repeat especially that black album in her honda hatchback um yeah i remember cruising around with her vividly it's it's uh it's wild how uh how clearly i can uh kind of envision that with her and that was the first time that I really like fell in love with music that was 
that was really heavy and she was the best and in the summer of 1996 my parents went on their annual las vegas trip and christy had me for that weekend and she took me to this water park in southern california called wild rivers in irvine california which uh at that time shared a parking lot with this music amphitheater and at that time and for many years it was called irvine meadows so on that weekend day we went to uh we went to the water park and uh it was the same day Lollapalooza was in town and at that time Lollapalooza was a touring event it didn't just happen in Chicago annually and the lineup was crazy the Ramones uh, I think it was the last time they had like the original lineup and Rancid played Devo played Screaming Trees Soundgarden and Metallica all of these bands I knew of to some extent Mostly Rancid and Soundgarden and Out Come the Wolves was one of the first CDs I ever owned. And that goes back to another one of my major groundbreaking music sources of my childhood, Mike Mendoza, who was my neighbor for many years and a couple years older than me. And almost every day we'd get home from school and watch MTV music videos for an hour or two before the parents got home from work or whatever or wherever. So... I knew some of these bands, but didn't really know much about the festival at that age and how monumental that lineup was at the time. So Christy kind of jokes earlier in the day that we should try to see Metallica, but I don't think she really thought it was something that was super realistic to take me to this all-day music festival at 11 years old, and I'm sure the day of tickets were not cheap at all so we went to the water park as planned killer day there and we leave around the time the sun is going down and metallica is the headliner for this festival this Lollapalooza 1996 and there's still probably an hour or two from taking the stage and we're walking to her car which shares this this parking lot and we just come across the right scalper that night that had two affordable tickets mostly because it was like so late so they're just trying to recoup whatever they can at uh at this point and she she got these two tickets they were probably around like 40 dollars. i don't know exactly it was like lawn seats or uh kind of like a general bleacher area to uh to hang in and yeah man she said fuck it I'm going to take this 11-year-old kid to Lollapalooza, and that was the first time I ever saw Metallica. And before Metallica went on, we saw the tail end of another act, and that was Soundgarden. It was the only time I ever saw them. I got to see Audio Slayer with my buddy Bert years later, which was another very cool experience, especially now that Cornell has passed. Um... That was an amazing, amazing show. But, uh, yeah, we saw the tail end of Soundgarden, and we saw them play, like, one or two full band songs, and then Chris Cornell came out and played solo jams, including Black Hole Sun by himself, and that was uh, that was incredible to me, and it was that was a, a memorable thing, even, I think, at, at 11 years old, and just to see how people uh, responded to that sort of thing and 
the prior concerts I had been to had been like Phil Collins concerts and Genesis concerts, which are just like a different sort of energy, more upbeat, lots of people dancing. And, you know, there's just a lot of cool soul and R and B and dance moments with the Phil Collins shit where this is just a heavier energy. And you could tell that these like people were experiencing, uh, I don't know, seem like something uh something that evoked maybe like a different emotion and uh music seems to register real young for me and i'll i'll dive into that soon hopefully with my dad i gotta get him on the cast sometime to talk about him exposing me to the the phil collins stuff specifically and and just kind of like specific music moments at a young age that would uh maybe later stick out but Man, Metallica played for like two hours. They're like their two hour standard set that I would learn that would be, you know, kind of their regular thing. And it blew me away. I was obsessed with them after that. And it was just so rad that she took me. And I think my parents were cool with it. There was no way to like ask in that moment. There was no cell phone technology for that type of thing. But, uh,. You know, my parents really trusted her and she just kind of went with uh, what she felt was cool in the moment. And she knew that my parents had taken me to some big concerts and and yeah, they just trusted her heavy and and that was fucking huge. I wanted to be Lars or like a drummer in a band for so long after that. I never, like I said, never got into drums, but opened up something for sure. I saw Metallica a handful of times after that over the years but most recently when they came through portland a few years back i think it was 2018 or 2019 somewhere around there uh, they came through on tour and i was able to get a press pass and do a show review for vortex music magazine and that meant the world to me on to to be there under those circumstances where they you know they hook me up with like one of the best seats in the house and I get to see this band perform that I've been following following for, you know, 25 years and was this iconic band many years before I even came into existence and to have the opportunity to be there to like get to write about the show is definitely one of those moments when, you know, teenage you would be stoked about what you were doing and, and that show was like pretty surreal and and those dudes also just still kill it and put on this incredible show and i saw christy a few times in my late teens and early 20s she came to like some of the shows that i was playing around that time but didn't have like a lot of steady contact with her around that time and my mom and I both searched social media like in the recent years to see if we could like make contact and you know touch base and whatnot but because uh, like I always wanted to tell her about like that experience specifically and how heavy her influence sat with me to to guide me to where I'm at today and just overall as a as a person like her spirit I think infected me in some way the way I saw her like operate with people and stuff and my mom and I were chatting about her recently and she once again like was digging into some research to try to like make contact and found out she had passed away in a house fire last October which like 
hit heavy and and made me sad that like I never got the opportunity to to tell her how she had shaped my life and like how much her her presence impacted me like and it's wild man like death has been really impactful in a way that often like fuels the fire for me in mostly a really positive way and it kind of like keeps me chasing after what I love and the things I'm passionate about or at least the death that I've encountered thus far and I feel like I've experienced a lot of it in the last I don't know five years or so on uh, on a few different levels and it's also uh, just made me want to do my best to to show up for people and and to just try to go out of my way to let people know the positive impacts they have had on me. I hope like, I get the opportunity to keep expressing those things with certain people before it's too late or I don't get like some sort of clear opportunity to do so. Like the before mentioned Mike Mendoza is one of those people. So it's kind of like a goal to track him down in some way. Not going to stalk him, but you know, like if I uh, get the opportunity to speak with some people that may have some connections to him, it would be, uh, you know, cool to just get to reach out and, and, and send a message. But uh, I think I also have to realize that not everyone wants to be tracked down at times and, and not, uh, and not to take that personal. But uh, my buddy Braden Hamilton's passing in September of, of 2019 is another one of those like powerful moments for me that, that changed the way I thought about my life and what I wanted to do with my time and kind of like this punk rock attitude that he was able to keep alive and well with him even in his early 30s when when he passed you know I uh, always felt like that er energy was there and I just think about that dude so much and I I hope he's stoked about how far I've been able to take this thing he was always somebody that was pushing me to just like to pursue the things I wanted to do and and to, you know, take some risks. And he's someone I thought about a lot when I chose to take the risk of, of quitting my day job. And uh, I think about him every time I hear the intro music for this podcast because uh, that was a beat that he had produced. And I knew that he was sitting on a bunch of beats around the time I was getting this show going. And I wanted something... Uh, that felt cool and uh he gave me a handful to check out and and so pitted was the the title of the one that is used in the uh the dan cable presents theme song so it's it's dope to have like a piece of him in that way in every episode because i i obviously like had no idea that that would be more meaningful to me later on in life and uh my paths crossing with him when I first moved to Portland impacted my life in ways I uh, could never have imagined. And he was my first best friend up here that I had in this city. We moved here around the same time and met each other making pizzas together. And uh, we were both super eager to spend our time doing things we were passionate about. And that was mostly playing music and we would just sit around and constantly 
show each other music we were working on like pass it back and forth and he played on the the ep i put out and that is awesome that i have like that documentation of of him playing on on some music that i wrote just because i just thought he was a musical genius just somebody that could pick up any instrument and make sense of it in his own way and uh was just such a good songwriter but also had this incredible voice that was just uh just blew me away when it was locked in and that was uh that was most of the time he understood melodies on uh on what seemed to be this uh this different level and just another person responsible for exposing me to some music that i'd later like fall in love with that i can't help but think of him when i hear a band like dinosaur jr and uh you know just a a dude that had different ideals about the world and really tried to do things his way a lot of the time and i had a lot of a lot of respect for that friends that start to pass away especially those in your same age range or younger it does something to you or at least it does something to me and it's impacted me profoundly and just trying to keep those those spirits close to me however i can i guess and my home studio is just filled with relics of Braden. I've got like hats and beanies on top of my speakers and some art and notebooks and uh, I don't know. It's not some like cure-all for the grief, but it, it definitely makes it easier for me, I guess, and it helps me out on the days it feels like I'm kind of like out of energy and uh, his motivation to, to get things uh to get things done at times hey everybody just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by north 45 pub located in the alphabet district of northwest portland they've got a killer selection of belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles mussels and fritz are on the menu Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So come through North 45 Pub for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. But yeah, man, Brayden was definitely like this dude who, uh, he was my first opportunity, I feel like, to kind of get to interact with somebody that I thought was kind of like on more of like musical genius level and to get to live with him for a period of time and like see him always kind of creating or working on music and in some way was always really inspiring and uh it it felt cool that 
he was like one of the few people that I felt comfortable with sharing my ideas, even though I had so much fucking respect for him as a musician. I, uh, he always made me feel good about like sharing ideas. And I think that like when he heard something cool in something I had written, I felt really fucking, I felt really fucking cool. <laughs> like when he was, uh, into something or something that I wrote resonated with him. He was definitely, uh, a helpful, uh, measuring stick in some ways or like definitely somebody you want on your, uh, on your committee of people that you show the shit that you're working on too, because his ear was, uh, was just so good. But, uh, while I'm sitting here and, uh, reflecting and, and burning one down, I'm definitely, uh, thinking about some folks that have changed the game for me and longtime friends that have, have shown love and support for this thing. People that gave me opportunities to express myself early on in my life, like my buddies, Bert and Ryan, those dudes have been putting up with me for, for years. And, uh, they both really gave me a space to uh to express myself throughout high school and and into our 20s in their bands and i uh i don't think i knew how much that meant to me during that time but i i've realized later i like i always knew that uh it felt like a cool way to express myself and it felt like a uh you know like i was working through some things but i don't think i i realized maybe the impact it had on mental health or like helping me through some things at times and uh so realizing the the importance of that you know now on even a a deeper level like uh yeah that was definitely around a time where i was going through something like really transitional in my life with my like parents divorce and like moving schools and like feeling like pretty out of place until like I like made friends with these dudes and uh, I was yeah that was significant as fuck to just uh, to have some sort of space to like write down ideas and, and kind of share them in that way and uh, them kind of giving me the mic a lot of the times to do so it was uh was rad and it it shaped it shaped a lot and uh i don't think i like necessarily like identify with a lot of the music i was inspired by at that time some of it still uh hits for me um i'm i'm still like really proud of like the music we made and the work that we put into that project and how we just like all believed in it for a really long time to like to sustain this thing for, you know, what felt like a, t a 10 year period of us like making music in some form together. It was, uh, it was very cool. And it's cool that like when I have the opportunity now to like maybe get to share some of the, experiences of what this podcast has kind of brought me in some form with those dudes now like whether it's like getting on the list for a show or just even like 
Bert came out with me to last year's tree four back in September. And he's about to join me out there again this coming weekend or this upcoming week. And I'm super stoked to like be out there with him again. And it just means a lot for me to get to like share that experience. Cause to me, it's kind of still like blows my mind that I get invited to these types of press opportunities for festivals or events even like pay attention to my submissions or when I send out an email to try to get a guest on the show that gets looked at a lot of the time is uh is is very cool but it it feels like it feels different for sure when you get to share share it with some folks in some in some way and this has been my my buttered and at some points extra buttered analysis of this thing i guess up until 300 episodes and for any of you that have been listening for a long time you know that there's there's three different kinds of episodes there's the regular ones you know conversations where no one is really inebriated in in any form and then there's the the buttered episodes where all parties smoke the the right amount of weed and then there's uh occasionally the the extra buttered conversations where all parties or one party uh gets too blasted during or before the conversation so hopefully this landed in the the sweet spot of buttered and for anyone that has listened this far i really appreciate uh the support and it's been cool to take some time to reflect i remember around the time i got this podcast going i started listening to this other music focused interview podcast called air raid and this dude aaron roden hosted it and i love that show and the way he facilitated these conversations and i remember him hitting episode 300 and you know reaching that mark and i was at best 13 episodes deep at that time and i was just admired so much the dedication that he had gotten it to 300 episodes knowing that it was this this independent podcast and to be at that point now feels like a cool milestone and i appreciate his dedication to that podcast during its running time even more now kind of knowing what it took to uh keep putting episodes out and that longevity and commitment to a regular schedule and whatnot is uh is next level and that dude was super cool to me when i was starting out i'd like dm him on instagram and ask him advice from time to time or just always like let him know how much i dug his show and he was always uh so nice and responsive to me so um yeah that's that's definitely another kind of interaction that made me feel like that was tangible because i knew that he was just another dude doing this thing on his own anyway hit the cast with a review if you're fucking with it and can't stress the importance of those itunes reviews and what they do for the visibility of the show enough so uh, if you haven't done an itunes review and you're listening on apple or you just want to go on itunes if you have a login leave the show a review you just five stars if you feel like it's deserving of so and you just say a few nice words and it's super helpful in uh, just getting supreme visibility for this thing but word of mouth is still 
the best thing I think as far as getting new people listening to this thing, share an episode on your, your social media or drop a, a comment on a post. All those things are, are free ways to support this thing. You can also tap into the Patreon. There's a link in the episode notes. You, you can uh, support financially there and get content in return, some extra content. Dropping a monthly mom chat there, just talking with my mom about different topics each time. Those conversations that I've had with her on uh, the mics have been a lot of fun, and she's been so supportive of the cast and all my other in- endeavors. So I uh, I love her for that, and you can uh, start looking for those coming at you regularly in March. It's $5 a month for the mom chat, and uh, there's a Venmo link in the episode notes too if you just want to drop some, some cash in there just to you know get some new gear pay for some some of this uh you know some of this hosting space whatever and what have you there's expenses there's expenses to uh to running the program so you can uh you can support financially too if you feel uh if you feel inclined to or feel like you have the the means to but just big big love to all the all the listeners out there, all the the past guests of the show, to all the artists in the Portland area or even outside that I've made significant connections with, you people that uh, have maybe been on the cast three to five times over the years, it's uh, very valuable to me. And thank you again to the local venues for letting me throw parties and trusting me to curate music in your spaces. And yeah, the same for all you people that keep giving me these DJ opportunities. Uh, at different spots in town i bought my dj controller a few years back just for fun to have around the house and mess with and that's become one of my favorite things to do and has taught me so much about music in a different way learning software and the ins and outs of like a dj controller and just getting tapped into rhythm and and beat matching and learning how to set a vibe in in different places and atmospheres and how one choice can make or break a mood at any moment and it's changed the way I listen to music and it's had a big impact on what's in my regular rotation and overall just kind of like keeps me digging which is also also really cool so uh I don't know it definitely it gives me like a very similar feeling to playing music in front of people it's just a, a different way to communicate and I really, I really dig it. So I'm excited to just to keep leaning harder into that and keep trying to, to DJ and get, and get better at, uh, with my mixes and whatnot and trying new things with the controller. Always trying to share what I'm listening to each month through the monthly Spotify playlist that I started doing at the end of 2020. So there's a bunch on my Spotify profile up there. Every first of the month, those are dropping. I'm listening to the upcoming April one right now on my headphones as I record this. And uh, yeah, it's rap, it's hip hop, soul music, alternative, low-key singer-songwriter stuff, some some punk rock. It's, it's all over the place. It's... Uh, it is what it is always in that way. And I do my best to kind of actually go track by track with those and make them flow so that they, they work even though they're spread out genre wise. And, uh, so they work in order or you can just hit random on it. And those monthly playlists have been broken up into genre specific playlists as well. If you're just trying to keep things more in one lane. So give that Spotify playlist profile a like, it's a separate one 
than that podcast feed one and uh that link will be in the episode notes as well would love to get some more visibility for the spotify profile and get more people checking out those those playlists i've been putting out been digging curating those every month it is just another thing that keeps me checking out new music every week because while it's my goal to keep knocking some of these folks i've been following for a long time off the podcast bucket list i want to keep challenging myself to find new shit so i don't fall into the there's no good music anymore trap because uh i think that feels lazy to me and i know that there's a lot of amazing music that is going on and of of all genres it's all out there if you find the right pockets or you know finding the right record labels and whatnot but thank you for uh giving me some of your time to reflect on this thing i know not everyone tunes into this show to hear me talk each week and it would be easy to just say 300 is just another number but it is significant to me and i do feel grateful that this is what i've put my energy into and how that has shaped my life and i've worked really hard to keep this thing going but uh taking the risk in may of last year to quit my day job and finally take a risk on myself after all i put into this thing over the previous five years was really the big game changer for me and i had already proved what it meant to me with the commitment to doing it. But now I really feel like I'm just kind of like digging into this thing and other aspects of the music industry that I appreciate as well. And, and other spots that I want to uh, become more knowledgeable at and to know almost a year later that I don't have to get some sort of job and I can keep on my own grind makes it uh, feel that much sweeter. And there's weeks where it, still feels like a grind but to know i'm not like really punching a clock and i'm kind of like doing a bunch of things that i really enjoy and the day-to-day is is pretty different a lot of times really helps me to remain excited about what i'm doing on most days so don't be afraid to to bet on yourself and go after it all try to leave yourself with this little amount of what ifs in your life which for me is not an easy task, but I think the less you have, the more peace you can experience in the present moment. And I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to tune into that a little bit more. And don't worry about the numbers. The numbers for what you're doing will will come, and you'll find your audience. I think if you if you just keep with something and don't expect results from it right away, the right people will. Uh, will pick up on it. And I think just surround yourself with people who are encouraging and, and are also like encouraging you to get better at whatever you're doing and make sure the people you're hanging with don't make you feel like everything you're doing is so transactional. Keep it to the people who aren't always looking for something in return and, and are just like there for the experience and the good hang sometimes. And I appreciate you all for tuning in. I'll be back next Friday with a brand new episode of the cast, episode number 301, myself in conversation with an artist, and I recorded a couple great episodes this week, so looking forward to sharing some chats with Dante Elefante, who is this incredible band, and I just saw them play in Portland last night, and it was a just 
incredible show. The the band is so amazing and this dude Ruben's voice is is so good and just love his his vocal melody. So it was awesome to to get to hang out and chat with him. And Dante Elefante put out one of my my favorite records last year, that mid-century modern romance. And also Pete Yorn coming up on the show, who is such an incredible songwriter. And I just appreciated the the chat I got to have with that dude so much. He was just down to share so much about his career up until this point. It was uh, it was killer. One of my favorite chats for sure. So those and more are coming at you soon. As always, it's a program, and we're going to play it out with a remix of a jam called Angel's Rest. And the original composition is from the Frank Irwin Quintet, based out of here in Portland, Oregon. And Chris Frank, the band leader for that project, has been on the podcast many times, and he was also a part of episode 100, in which we did a studio session with a band he was playing in at the time called The Pariahs, and that was kind of uh, my entry point in seeing Chris Frank play music around town, just this killing fucking bass player, whether it's stand-up or electric, and uh, just one of those people I love watching perform because he always goes in on the performance and you can tell how fucking passionate he is about it and it's great and uh, you can see those videos from the pariahs on the uh, on the youtube channel the dan cable presents youtube channel those were recorded at hallowed halls here in portland but uh frank has this great band called the frank Irwin quintet and it's uh sort of this jazz hybrid but leans into a lot of other stuff the players he has in the band are uh, are so good and i've gotten to see them play a lot i feel like especially in in some form of this iteration over the last four years or so and it's uh it's always great to see them playing and he's done some really cool things with this project and he's encouraged a lot of collaboration with beat makers and different producers, whether they are around Portland or not. He's just been uh, making some connections with some some folks in that world. And uh, these different producers are putting out some very cool remixes of these Frank Irwin Quintet compositions. And the first iteration of that was a remix of the Frank Irwin Quintet's first record, Better Broken. Also say Frank Irwin Quintet a lot is, uh, it's a struggle. Um, I'm trying to get through it. I'm trying to do it. But uh, their first record, Better Broken, which you can check out on all the streaming services. And I I think there's some vinyls available as well. And uh, there is a remix version of the record. It's called Broken Beats. And it features a bunch of different producers as well as some MCs and for all the shows that I've been to in Portland since I got here, uh, when I think about some some local shows that I've been to that I thought were uh, put together in, in a memorable way, it was when this was presented and Frank, he, you know, he had the band set up that night at Mississippi Pizza and the band was, was set up to play and they would like play some tunes and then one of the producers that did something on the record like would play their remix of the song and then also do some sort of set 
and it just kept the night moving in such a, a cool way. It kept it exciting. I feel like the whole time in that sort of, uh, fashion and just like, felt like there were more possibilities for different kind of things to happen. And it was just also a cool celebration, not only of Frank, his band, the, the compositions that, that he's written, but also all these other artists that he got to, to play on this record. So, um, this remix of Angel's Rest was done by Alex Meltzer, a.k.a. Meltzer, who over the years has also been on this podcast many times with various projects. His history with the podcast easily goes back to the first 15 episodes with Two Planets and Corgi and Bass. And I just had him on solo for the first time not too long ago. I think like episode 292 could even be sooner. I'm not, not positive. Somewhere in the last couple months. That was a great episode. I always enjoy talking with this dude and running into him at shows and checking out the projects that he's working on. Or I also really like to know the music that he's listening to or the or the new Portland artists or the Portland artists that I don't personally know, like which ones he's paying attention to, because that usually leads to to good things as well. So easily a couple dudes that are amongst my favorite musicians that I've met and had the opportunity to develop relationships with in this city. And I thought it would be cool to spotlight a couple different projects at the the tail end of this episode. And yeah, these dudes are both just a part of a circle of, of people that have been good friends over the years. And my dude, Dusty Fox, who has been on the podcast a lot over the years is also like a huge part of that connection. And he's been a supporter and collaborator of mine and like throwing shows and kind of consulting with one another about different projects we're working on. But best of all, maybe that he started the Portland pine cones hockey team. And then I get to play hockey with that guy regularly or have for the past five years or so now with Chris Frank and a bunch of musicians on the team and other musicians come out and like support us and watch and it's just it's just very cool and um just another fun thing in my life that uh was connected through the music scene here in portland oregon so this is uh the remix of angel's rest i'll tag both Frank Irwin Quintet and Meltzer in the episode notes. Both these dudes have new music out or have new music on the way. I've got the early pressing of the new Frank Irwin Quintet record and uh, that's coming out late spring, early summer. It is very good and the most recent Meltzer record I know is on all the streaming services now as well. So check that out and man, episode 300. Send the show an email. Presents at gmail.com love to hear from you love to hear what you're listening to and your suggestions for who you might want to hear on the podcast and just get some uh, some of that interactions going and stay up stay tuned be well that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from
Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to Distro Kid. Stay up, stay tuned.